Thank you. If I switch this on properly, I are we okay? Yep, great. Good morning, everybody. Good to be here, isn't it? Oh, come on, be a bit more enthusiastic. Oh, that was great stuff with the kids, wasn't it? <clears throat> right, well, it's Mothering Sunday. A schoolboy was required to write an essay about babies. So he went to his mum and he asked this, How did I come into the world? Mum said, The stork brought you. So he went to grandma. Grandma said, You were found under the gooseberry bush. So he resorted to great-grandma. She said, The fairies brought you. He began his essay with these words. There has not been a natural birth in my family for three generations. <laughs> I thought that would put a smile on your faces. But we need to be serious about mothering and mothering Sunday and, and what a great thing that was, a great idea for the kids to express themselves. I'm sure we all feel a great well-being factor this morning, don't we, having, having watched that and enjoyed it and appreciated it. And I hope you mums especially feel blessed today. Conception, birth and motherhood are inextricably linked together. That's inevitable, isn't it? And the whole event really is a miracle, isn't it? I could, uh, I've only got one daughter, but uh, I, and I was present at her birth, and I could take you through that hours, I think, almost minute by minute because it engraves on your mind, doesn't it? How many of you fathers have been present at the birth? Oh, you, the mothers were always there, of course. But, but come on, I can't see how many hands. How many, yeah, quite a few of you. It is an experience, isn't it? Yeah. Exhausting, terrifying. Um, what else would you add, Andy? <laughs> yeah. I can remember at the, um, once my daughter had been born and the, the doctor who was in attendance looked at me and he said, um, he said, uh, we've only got a bit of tidying up now to do. He said, uh, I think you could do with a bit of fresh air. I said, so do I. And off I went. <laughs> but anyway, it's great to have children, great to have, great to have them. And, and we're grateful for God's gift of children, aren't we? Because the Bible has a great deal to say about, um, about motherhood. And, uh, <clears throat> but this morning, I, I want to draw your attention to the prime example of motherhood, which we find in the Scriptures, which is, of course, Mary, the mother of Jesus. You would probably not look any further. To, we don't have a... Well, we have quite a bit about her. And we have enough to put together that she was indeed uh, an ordinary young woman who was called to an extraordinary role and purpose in her life. And so that's what we're going to be looking at for uh, a little while this morning. I take my watch off. That may help. It may not. We put it there. Right. Okay. It still says 10 o'clock, so it's all right. No, it says 11. In her, in her autobiography... Florence Nightingale, who, who was an extraordinary person in her own right, wasn't she? Um, her work, for those of you perhaps are not quite sure, she went right back in the middle of the 1800s, the Crimean War, 1860s, and it was her vision to go out 
and nurse wounded soldiers in, in the most appalling conditions uh, which she discovered when she got there. And although she didn't particularly have any nursing experience, she put her mind to it, and actually, out of that, the role that she played, she, in fact, if you like, became the mother of modern nursing and laid down many principles and the whole structure on which much of our nursing is based today. It grew out of her vision for nursing. And she wrote this um, later, much later on in her life, and she says, and I quote, if I could give you the story of my life, it would be to show how one woman of ordinary ability has been led by God in strange and unaccustomed paths to do in his name what he has done in her. And if I could tell you all, you would see how God has done all, and I nothing. I have worked very hard, that is all, and I have never refused God anything. I think I'll read it again, because I think it's a very important statement this morning. If I could give you the story of my life, and it was a long one, it would be to show how one woman of ordinary ability has been led by God in strange and unaccustomed paths to do in his name what he has done in her. And if I could tell you all, you would see how God has done all, and I nothing. I have worked very hard, that is all, and I have never refused God anything. I think Mary, the mother of Jesus, could have easily written that herself, don't you? That, that would be a summing up, really, of her life. From that ordinary background that God drew her from, if you like, from obscurity, really, there she is up in the, the north of um, what the Romans then called Palestine, She's right there, she's in Nazareth, halfway up a mountain, uh, in an obscure place, really, and a place which nobody had a good word about. And, and there she was. And from that obscurity, God drew out the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is an extraordinary event in itself, isn't it? Out of all the women in, in Israel at that time, that he should find her, choose her. We'll come back to that in a minute. She was extraordinary. I, we, when we look into her life, we have various kind of snapshots of her life. The main part comes in, in Luke chapter 1 and 2. And then we have snapshots of her throughout the scripture thereafter. This, um, her journey was really one of trust, faith in God. I think really the key to her life also, when we come to it again in a moment, is obedience. Because in John chapter 2, and at the wedding of uh, the, the Cana in Galilee, uh, you remember that they ran out of wine, uh, they appeal, she appeals to Jesus to help them, and, uh, the, and then she turns to the servants and she says to them, whatever Jesus says, do it. Whatever he says to you, just do it. I think if we sometimes worked on that principle, we might get a lot more done, don't you? If we were fine, confined within ourselves that instant obedience, which actually came out of her relationship with God, which was already being built, that response from the heart, we might get a lot more done, beloved, mightn't we? You know? 
When Chris Scott was here preaching on the 29th of January this year, he introduced the theme of God using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. You remember that, don't you? How many of you remember that? Yeah, some of you. Go online and listen to it again, please. Because I believe that was a key word for us as a church. An absolutely key word. That God takes ordinary people. You know? we sh- next Saturday, we shall have a man who, has, I guess, he started ordinary. And then this career that he had within, within the mafia, etc. and so forth. But God took that man and clearly transformed that man. And I guess now those abilities that he had are turned under the guidance of the Holy Spirit into something truly wonderful. And he's sharing his story. God takes the most ordinary people. Sometimes he takes very challenging people. And then he transforms them. A few years ago, there was a big emphasis on transformation, wasn't there? If you go back to the 1990s, do you remember the transformation videos that were being shown about what was God was doing in different parts of the world? You know, prisons that were where if revival was taking place. Remote um, places of Africa where God was really on the move. And I guess he still is across the globe in all kinds of places. There is revival going on. And we go on praying for it to emerge here, don't we? So, for us as a community of God's people, basically, we're, we're, we're ordinary, aren't we? Most of us are quite ordinary. Some of you are exceptional. But most of us are quite ordinary. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's very encouraging, isn't it? That however ordinary you are, God can take hold of you and use you for a purpose. You know? Now that purpose may not put you on a platform somewhere. Uh, uh, it, it, it may put you... And, and, oh, God forbid that you actually, your motivation would be to be on a platform because that wouldn't be a good motivation. Your motivation should be the motivation of Mary, that whatever God says to you, just do it. You know? That's where you're going. So he says, uh, and most of our ministry uh, as Christians to one another is quite ordinary. And we've seen ex- examples of that in, in the church in recent days. Those of you that have been um, uh, uh, supporting Alan Pumphrey, for example, after his operation, and, and doing, if you like, ordinary things for him, but actually to him, it's a mega blessing. And we could multiply that across the church, couldn't we? As we love and care for one another, you know, we are doing what Jesus would have done. Uh, and we're doing what Mary would have done. Because I guess she was that sort of person. She saw a need and she went and met it. Especially if God gave her a little prompt and said, have you noticed? And off she would go. What an amazing person she must have been. And still is, because she's in heaven. So, God does extraordinary things with ordinary people, and I want us to take hold of that again today. So let's see what we can learn from her. The role of motherhood is being celebrated today, and I want to say to you, this is a message for everybody. It's a message for mums, it's a message for dads, it's a message for singles, It's a message for young, old, and everybody in between. It's a message for all of us. Because it's about character. And it's about how God takes the ordinary and does extraordinary things. God sees potential in us that we do not see for ourselves. The uh, statue of um, uh, David 
in Florence, I think it's Florence, is it? That amazing statue. And uh, originally, somebody else had been asked to create a statue of David for the city. We're back in the 1400s. And, uh, and uh, they, got, they took the marble from the, from the quarry. But as they were cutting it out, it, it shattered, it split into two pieces. And the, the sculptor said, I can't do anything with that. And they all gave up. And about 50 years later, Michelangelo comes on the scene. And uh, he... Um, he, um, he, he's asked also to, to uh, create a statue. And the city said, well, we, we can't really afford much, but there is some broken marble down there because it was very expensive. He went down, had a look. He said, I can do something with that. Why? Because he saw the potential in it. In his mind's eye, he didn't see a piece of broken marble. He saw the statue of David that he was going to create, right? It's almost like the, it, it was broken. Well, that's, in one sense, that's good, because most of us are broken, aren't we? And even in our brokenness and our sinfulness, as God transforms us, as we come into Christ, as we're changed, transformed, so God begins to create, in one sense, his own image in us, but in particular, shaping us for the particular role that he has for us in his kingdom. So the younger you are, take it on board because you've got more years than many of us have got. Come to Christ when you're young and you have all your life before you to fulfill the will of God. To those of us older, or if you've only just become a Christian in middle years or older on, don't give up because God can fast-track things. Right? What we have to have is the spirit of Mary that was upon her to be willing to cooperate with God in the amazing thing that he was asking her to do. Some parts of the church refer to her as the Blessed Virgin Mary. And uh, actually I haven't got a problem with that. I've got a problem with people who appear to worship her. But the title itself is not, not a bad title, Blessed. Virgin Mary. Blessed actually means graciously accepted in this context. In, in effect, it means chosen. And so, when the, uh, when the uh, angel says to her, I'm assuming we know the gospel story, don't we? Perhaps we could put it up if it's not up there. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and 28. The angel comes on. It's on there in NIV, but verse 28 simply says this in the King James Version. You'll like that, Albert. It says, Hail, thou art highly favoured. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. I think that's where the blessed Virgin Mary comes into it. Highly favoured. Graciously accepted. Chosen. You've found favour with God. F.B. Meyer, the famous Baptist preacher of over a hundred years ago says this. He says, It is to the humble maiden that the supreme honor of womanhood is given. The choice was one of pure grace. You see, God saw the potential in Mary. And, and then through the, with her cooperation, that potential was allowed to flourish. And she becomes the mother of the Savior.
that potential is in every one of us, as I've just said. In John chapter 15 and verse 16, Jesus says to his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you. To go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. When we come to Christ, we often feel that we are making the choice. In one sense, we are, because the challenge comes to us, we recognize that we're sinners, we seek forgiveness, it's been explained to us in the gospel how we will receive that, and as we do that, then we discover that it was the Holy Spirit, as the Scripture tells us, that initiated the process. That's why Jesus says, I chose you, you didn't choose me. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment, then takes us to the cross. We sung about the shed blood, and and, and this morning that great Welsh revival hymn, Here is Love Vast as the Ocean, you know? We've entered into that as Christians. And if you haven't entered in, I, I urge you this morning to take what we're saying seriously. Because God calls us, and God chooses us, and he chooses us for purpose. If those of you that are perhaps worried about free will and Calvinism, and if you know all about that stuff, and if you don't, well, perhaps that's not too bad, really. But <laughs> Spurgeon used to say, great Spurgeon, the Baptist prayer, he used to say, well, it says on the door of salvation, whosoever will may come. And you go through, and you shut the door, and on the back it says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. So we won't discuss, actually to be chosen, to be called, to follow is what it's all about. And you, you would not be a Christian today if God had not called you. And Mary heard the call, which later on came to the disciples, which is, follow me. Effectively, that's what God is saying to us through the angel to Mary, will you follow me in this adventure of motherhood and you are going to be, if you like, the prime mother uh, of all who ultimately will be saved through him. What a huge responsibility, what a huge challenge that was for her. Follow me. And he began a work of transformation in her, which was greatly enhanced by her cooperation with him. He begins that transformation work in all of us as we come to Christ. And it's a work which is ongoing to this very day. It, it, It doesn't stop. That transformation process isn't a snap finger one. It is a growth, a maturing over the years, uh, for decades, as we grow in Christ and grow, we trust, to be more like him and to serve him more faithfully. As I was preparing this, um, I really felt God spoke to me about somebody who is here this morning. I have no idea who you are. But this is what I felt God was saying. Uh, And uh, it was this. I'm also calling someone. He's calling all of us, and many of us are following and so on. But this morning, he's saying to somebody here this morning, I am also calling someone here this morning to come back to me. You responded once before, but life events blew you off course. Today, I'm calling you again. It's time to come back. Right? If that's you, come and talk to me afterwards. Yeah? Or if I'm otherwise, come and talk to one of the other leaders. 
Whoever you are, God graciously calls you back. He will accept you back because he has fruit for you to bear. Fruit that will last. He sees your potential even if you don't. So God calls all of us with something in mind that he wants us to engage with. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do works which God has prepared for us to do. These are not works that lead to salvation. Only only the blood of Christ is sufficient to bring us to salvation. We cannot earn it. But God has prepared things for us to do. You see, that's he had prepared Mary. In God's great foreknowledge, all down she, in, in Isaiah, it is predicted that a virgin will carry a child, etc., etc., etc. That's hundreds of years before it actually happened. God, God got it in mind. And God's got you in mind. See? She, she's, Mary, if you like, is one among millions or billions. Because she was ordinary, like you are, like I am. But God knows. He's got just that great knowledge. He's got his finger on it. And he's just waiting for you to that response that Mary made, which is, be it unto me according to your word, to the angel. And, and so it was. What a calling. Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, I've just referred to the fact that... Um, is predicted in the Old Testament scriptures. And of course, when the angel, it's very interesting, when the angel appears to her, she doesn't appear to be phased very much, does she? I mean, if an angel suddenly manifested here this morning, we scarcely know what to do, would we? You know? Probably we'd be, I don't know what we'd do. I can't imagine what it would be like. But she seems to have almost taken it in her stride. Now, I speculate at this point, is it possible that that angel had visited her before? His name's Gabriel. He's the messenger of God. He's the number one man. And so, I just wonder. Just a little aside, be very careful when we start talking about angels. There are biblical angels, and there are lots of people pursuing, inverted commas, what I would call dark angels. So, we have to be very careful. There's a million books out there about angels, about... 999,000 of them are, are, are probably spurious. But we must not allow that to ignore the fact that angels are biblical, angels communicate with people at God's specific command. You can't command angels. You cannot command angels. You can invite their assistance. Hebrews tells us that. It says that, it says that angels are sent to the aid of those who believe. So most of the time, that we're unaware. But they are present around and active. And this one manifests himself, because he needs to, because he's got a unique message. And he comes to her, and somehow or another, her spirituality, that which she built up in a, probably in her childhood, perhaps from her own parents, had taught her. There was an openness of heart and mind in, in, in her Jewish heart and her Jewish understanding that she was able to engage with this angel and the only question she really asks, which is a very reasonable question, is, how can it be since I am a virgin? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it, this is not possible, is it? 
And the angel basically says all things are possible with God. And at that, she takes it. And, and, and in a way, it's amazing, isn't it? That unquestioning obedience in her heart when she heard the word of the Lord through the angel. And we hear the word of the Lord here sometimes, don't we? In different ways. And it speak, he speaks to different people. And I hope he's speaking to you this morning. I hope he's speaking to the one who needs to come back. Because God says, this is your day. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And when we hear it, let's not just dismiss it. It's so easy to walk out and forget what's been said. Let's, let's take hold of it. And specifically, if it's for you personally, and you know it is, then you have a responsibility to act upon it. We're talking about baptism just now, weren't we? You know? God calls us to salvation. And then he next calls us, generally speaking, to follow in the waters of baptism as a public confession of what we believe in our hearts. It might be that you were not the sort of person who get on a platform and, and talk about it, but actually you can demonstrate it to the world around you by passing through the waters of baptism. I'm looking to where it normally is. And, and, and bring your family and friends. Where are you, Val? You're here somewhere this morning. It's Val? Yeah, you're back there, aren't you? It was your birthday, wasn't it? We, we celebrated with your baptism, correct? And we weren't in this building. We were using the building down in the RVP. And, uh, on, uh, and, and, and Val threw a party that night in her house for all her friends, for all her unsaved friends. That's right, isn't it? And uh, an interesting bunch of people, weren't they? Yeah? And uh, I was invited to the party afterwards. And, uh, but the thing was, she said to them, you can't come to my party unless you come to my baptism. <laughs> right? She arm-twisted about 40 people, I think, to come. And they sat through the baptism. Not without its incident. Was it Chrissy? Was it Chris? You asked Dave Carter about that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, all right, you were there perhaps. Well, you're wondering now, isn't it? Shall I tell them? No, I won't tell you. Come and ask me afterwards. It's a little bit of suspense. Go and ask Chris. Anyway, you invited them. That's my point. You found a way to get them in, and they came, didn't they? And I was, went back afterwards with, with Sue and, and one or two other Christians from our church. We were bombarded with questions. We were bombarded with questions. There was no... I, I remember sitting in a room with about a dozen people and, and it's question after question after question after question. I'm not looking for opportunity to say anything. They're giving me opportunities. And it can happen. And I think we, in our outreach, you know, we've got to be... We've got to be in a innovative, you know? We've we got to think of new ways of actually getting people in. And, and if you've got an idea, you know, it, it's, it can be done. And it was done in almost, most of the stuff was done outside of church, sitting in rooms, you know, it was a wonderful occasion. I didn't plan to say that, but I have now, anyway. So, 
Where am I? God had prepared Mary for this unique role. Uh, and uh, she, she acts on what he says. And the background to her spirituality is found uh, in Luke chapter 1 and verses 46 to 55. Uh, and this wonderful song that she comes up with. Um, and it's rooted in scripture. It's full of scripture. So her heart was well prepared by God. Otherwise she wouldn't have been able to reproduce it in the way that she did. Chosen, yes. A virgin, yes. And an amazing woman. Obedience to the will of God. And the purpose of God is instant. Nothing is impossible. She stepped out in faith, and the rest is history. Whatever he says to you, do it. So there's calling for Mary. There's calling for us. There's obedience. There's faith. There's stepping out in a power. They are a powerful alliance, really, aren't they? Calling, obedience, faith, and stepping out is powerful. And if you do that, it will bring results. You, Jesus said, a grain of faith will move a mountain. There's a mountains of unbelief out there today. And we're the ones who've got grains of faith to move it. And we must. And we should. And we really haven't got another option. Just want to say something about Mary's obedience again, just a bit more. Matt, Mary's was there for Jesus when he was a child. We've seen him on the screen this morning, how important it is, the parental role in bringing up children and soliciting from these children from our church. Uh, what a great job our parents are doing, aren't they? Well done, parents. Well done, mums. Well done, dads. You can see the results on the screens. You know? And for those of us that, if you haven't got children, or if... Um, you know, your children have grown up. I've gone praying for them. I've gone praying for my daughter. Uh, and uh, we could go on praying. If they're, gone, if they're already Christians, keep praying for them. If they're not yet Christians, keep praying for them. Never give up on praying for your kids until you go to heaven yourself. It's important. Mary, I'm sure, did that. She, she looked after him as a child. All the stuff. I was going to say all the grotty stuff, you know. All the not-so-pleasant stuff. I didn't mind changing wet nappies, but, oh, my word, the alternative. <laughs> but she was there for Jesus through his youth, through his teenage years, uh, until he stepped out into a year ministry, and she's still there for him, popping up now and again in the gospel story. Not always understanding quite what he's doing, but nevertheless, being there, supportive, caring, loving. She's the role of the parent. She's there at the cross. Pause. You're watching your own child be hammered to a cross. You're watching him die a long, slow, painful death. Being a mother can be a great challenge, can't it? Especially in times of loss and difficulty and, and all of that. But she's there at the resurrection as well. And again, in Acts chapter 1, she was in that prayer meeting that went on, it seems, for about 40 days, you know, while they were together, praying and 
waiting to see what next was going to happen. And then, of course, Jesus had already returned to heaven, and then came the day of Pentecost. She was there at Pentecost. What an amazing character. And then she disappears from the scene after that. We read no more about her in the Bible. But we understand, and tradition says, and Jesus directed from the cross. He says to John, um, John the, the uh, apostle, the disciple, he says to John, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. And he hands her into the care of John. Another aside. Ever wondered why John's gospel is so different from the first three? The third gospel is different in many, so many ways. It's profound. I think, I believe, I can't prove it. But when John took Mary into his home, tradition says they finished up in Ephesus, um, they lived there, and John eventually died a martyr's death there. Mary would have been dead before that. All those evenings of conversations, all that fellowship with the mother of Jesus, all the hidden years, all the things up to, you know, the hidden years up to 30, I think John benefited from that. And I like to think there's a great deal of Mary in John's Gospel. That's just a personal opinion. Importance of a mother and her experience being passed on. Blessed Virgin Mary. I'm coming to a conclusion. Mary was a very common name among the Jewish people, derived from Miriam, the sister of Moses. One interpretation of the name is Beloved. I like that one. Mary the Beloved. The Beloved Mum. Sounds great to me. Ordinary Mary. Peasant girl Mary. Like I said, in a remote village, halfway up a mountain. It really is. I was there in September. You go up and up and up and it gets steeper and steeper and steeper, doesn't it, Rob? Yeah. A place which one character in the Bible says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You know? I don't like to label things, but I, I use a word. We talk in our country, perhaps rather sadly, about sink estates, don't we? Sink estates. We, we need to be very careful we stick labels on anything, because it, that's not the whole truth. But we talk about sink estates. You would have, they would have described Nazareth as sink estate. The most unlikely place on the planet for the Son of God to be birthed and to, you know, live. The most worst environment possible. And yet Mary, faithful Mary, godly Mary, brings herself up in the most unpromising environment. And at 12 years old, he's bursting to go. He's restrained by God for another 18 years. Mary's input is enormous, but she's ordinary. That's the point I'm making. And yet God chose her, as we said at the beginning, for an extraordinary responsibility, entrusted his son into her care till he grew up, took his place in God's plan of salvation. But first he needed Mary. God needed Mary in the same way that he needs all of us to share the gospel. So back to where we started. 
God has throughout history used countless ordinary people just like you and me. So the challenge is this, really, this morning. When he calls, will you follow? When he calls, will you obey? Will you allow him to work in you and through you? Will you adventure with him? Will you rise to the challenge? I include myself in this. And discover and be amazed how he takes the ordinary loaves and fishes of life and multiplies the gospel out through people like us. It is a miracle. Our responsibility is to this town, to this nation, and to the world. Now that is an extraordinary challenge. But it is possible. Because as the angel said to Mary, nothing but nothing is impossible with God. Not even for you or me. He calls us, he chose us, he sees our potential, he looks for our obedience, and for us to exercise faith that will take us on a great adventure. Don't delay. It's time we got going. Amen.